Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Behind Enemy Lines. I am Tyler Smith, and joining me is my brother, as always, Trevor. Say hello, Trevor. Hey, everybody. Now, before we get started this week, we do want to address something that uh, some of our listeners have noticed. Our last couple of uh, interviews uh, with Kevin Kiley and most notably with Phil Cowan, the files were corrupted on the recording, and it's kind of hard to hear what's going on in those episodes. We apologize for that. Um, this being a new podcast and being new to podcasting, we're still working out some things and uh, testing some equipment and different ways of recording. And so we uh, we appreciate you bearing with us and hanging out with us through uh, our experiments. And uh, going forward, we hope to have less issues with the sound quality in our episodes. And now let's get started with today's uh, episode, Tyler. Great. So we have a few topics today that uh, have made news here in California as well as nationwide. And I think it's only uh, befitting we start with some California news. First topic we have is the high-speed rail obviously has been a big issue here in California. We've seen where um, Governor Brown had increasingly charged taxes to make up money for this as well as essentially bullied the state and taxpayers and us citizens here in supporting this ridiculous agenda of getting this uh, bullet train to nowhere built. And we had kind of hope when Gavin Newsom was sworn in and swore that he was going to scrap it. And then we hear where Donald Trump was going to fight him and take that money back. So then Gavin Newsom decided he was going to hold on to it and build the train somewhere else. Well, we have news now that Trump has finally pulled a billion dollars from just, just under a billion dollars from so, this high speed rail project. So, if you're not familiar, uh, as our listeners, with this, what's going on here, uh, the policy wonks here in California and those that are p- involved politically uh, would know what we're talking about. If you're unaware of what we're talking about, there is a, as Tyler mentioned, a high speed rail that was planned to be built between, was it? Fresno, Sacramento area, somewhere in the in the central California, down to L.A. or San Francisco to L.A. I think it was San Francisco to L.A. It was supposed to take just over an hour or something, high speed. And the longer the project went on, the more expensive it got. Parts of it were being built, parts weren't. The they kept running into environmental issues or you know, foundational issues. And it, before we knew it, it had become many, many, many times over again more expensive than what they build it as. And uh, a lot of the money, billions of dollars, was promised from the federal government. Governor Brown had secured uh, federal funding promises from the Obama administration. And then we had hoped that uh, Travis Allen would be elected governor, and his plan was to scrap the project, stop spending money on it, hang a big sign on it that says, Jerry Brown's legacy, to show the world the ridiculousness of the Democrat leadership here in the state. And then, of course, Gavin Newsom won the governor's office. And now we are here today with $1 billion, just under, just shy of $1 billion being withheld by the president uh, against the temper tantrums thrown by our illustrious Governor Pompadour, (laughs) as Phil Callen calls him, uh, Grissom Newsom, as we like to refer to him. And uh, as it's it's just it's nine hundred and some nine hundred twenty eight million million dollars, or as one person that I saw this week called it, half of Nancy Pelosi's liquor budget for the year. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. So this latest one that Gavin Newsom was proposing, the latest stops, it was going to be starting in Merced and terminating in Bakersfield. See, and that's why those aren't major hubs. I I understand the idea of having a train between two major hubs, San Francisco and L.A. I get that. Even if you're going to spend the absorbent yeah. amounts of money, uh, you know, put, well, the all, put all with the logistics the, aside. Modesto to Bakersfield, what the heck? Well, the problem itself with the train wasn't some train between Modesto, or I'm I'm sorry, between San Francisco and L.A. There are trains, buses, automobiles that will take you between those two areas. The problem was how they had planned this out and the exorbitant amounts of money they were really just wasting and, and it should have been done already. It was yeah. only supposed to take a couple of years. It's already been 
It was like every Six, year, seven, eight years. Every year they were redoing the budget and coming up and seeing how far they had progressed. And it was oh, not a lot. A couple. We feet. need <laughs> we need more years and hundreds of millions of dollars more. This was happening every year. So this is good that uh, you know it's a, it's a billion dollars the federal government's going to save that um, you know they've already taxed us on. Uh, let's not waste it on something as ludicrous as this bullet train to nowhere. You know Jerry Brown's legacy, this uh, monstrosity, and this ugly scar on the state of you know at least we're not wasting the money on it anymore yeah there's a good quote here from um and find the quote senate republican leader shannon grove said today the federal government acknowledged what everyone who isn't being paid by the authority already knows california's high-speed rail project is dead the only question that remains is how many more taxpayer dollars are going to be wasted chasing this impractical dream i think that's really good she goes on and says Right now, the federal government has put California on notice that we aren't getting the nearly $1 billion that the high-speed rail authority says it needs to complete the Merced to Bakersfield line. When voters were asked to consider this project, it looked a lot different. Now the project will take longer, will cost more money, and will no longer travel to its original destination. This is not the project that voters originally approved. It is time for California, California to cancel this big rail fail. I think it sums it up. It's not... When this was put out, this wasn't anything uh, what had been approved or really forced by the people. So if we're not getting what we paid for, why pay for it? Exactly. You know, it, it, some people say, well, we've already so invested. We might as well get the train out of any amount of what it costs or we're wasting the billions of dollars we've already spent. I say, let's – that billions of dollars is already gone. The train is never going to get finished. If, yeah. we've, if we've seen anything, we see the train is never going to get finished. They're only building 10 to 12 feet a year You know, in some cases. Let's save the billion dollars. Don't sink more money into something that's just going to end up being trash anyways. And speaking of something that uh, costs Californians money and more money than it should, uh, PG&E is in the news this week. PG&E, of course uh, – Responsible for the campfire uh, this week was reported to be confirmed. PG&E lines are responsible for the deadliest fire in U.S. history. Killed over 70 people and over 1,200 homes were destroyed. The entire town of Paradise, California. And uh, near and dear to our hearts, we grew up uh, with family in Oroville, uh, just a couple miles south of Paradise, uh, just after Chico. And now... uh, our brother Tim and I have bought a home in Palermo, California, so just a couple miles south of Oroville. So we're really close to the, the campfire. Not big fans in that area of PG&E. Uh, I can say uh, PG&E does, has not warmed over any hearts in the last year or so. But in the news, uh, after declaring bankruptcy uh, last year in preparations for the blame for the campfire, they were confirmed to have started it. And now we have uh, excellent news today. Um, and I say very tongue-in-cheek, excellent, uh, planned blackouts, rolling blackouts that may last up to days uh, are being planned by PG&E, being proposed for residents in the North State as a way of conserving power, uh, they say. For 20,000 customers. For 20, yeah, you know, a lot of the North State, there's not a whole lot of people up there, but 20,000 is a, is a big majority of us that live in the North State, and uh it said days could be days on end. What is this? Some kind of third world country? Yeah. Well, essentially, I mean, they run the government that way here in in the uh, state. Majority rule and just, I mean, pushing through legislation every day. That you know, now they were having problems with legislation in the assembly, where the uh, assembly Democrats had passed. Essentially, if it was any kind of Republican bill that came up, they were shutting it down before it even got to a vote. Yeah, this is what uh, what we lovingly refer to as the People's Republic of California. Um, what else we got for California today, Tyler? Uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has some new appointees. Yeah. So yeah, as we were, uh, Trump did nominate yet another conservative judge to Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Which, if you're in California and pay attention to the judicial um, activities in the state, have overwhelmingly been liberal over the last couple of years. Yeah, so basically any, any conservative uh, headway made in national or state uh, legislation is 
struck down essentially by the Ninth Circuit. Anytime it gets assigned to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, it is reliably liberal and it's reliably uh, shut down before becoming law. Uh, major conservative points, uh, major conservative uh, values are always shut down in the Ninth Circuit. And this was until President Trump, of course. All of a sudden, and this isn't getting a lot of news um, coverage, but all of a sudden, all of these vacancies are opening up in the appeals levels of the yeah. courts, all the circuits of courts. All these vacancies are opening up, and Trump is getting hundreds. I think he's up to somewhere around – I don't have the exact number, but it's it's between 100 and 200 uh, judges have been appointed in his first two years, two and a half years. Yeah. And he is – Essentially, shifting the entire judiciary, I can't even say the word, judiciary of the country to the center right, which is always, has been for decades center left. And the most powerful of which being the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, the, the most liberal of which being the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. However, Trump has gotten several appointees onto that Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, including one uh, four days ago. In a 52 to 45 party line vote on Wednesday, reported by Fox News, the Senate confirmed President Trump's nominee to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. The confirmation of California lawyer Kenneth Lee marked the first time neither home state senator has returned a blue slip, a Senate tradition in which a home state senator gives their opinion on the nominee, the Hill reported. So basically, the report is that this guy is so conservative that both senators from California, Senator Feinstein and Senator, senator Harris, running for president, Neither one of them uh, supported this nominee, which in my book and in Tyler's book is a good thing. Yeah. Anytime that Harris or Feinstein disagree with the nominee, we're going to support the guy. Uh, just if nothing else, on just that basis alone. Well, as long as it's a step back towards the right. You know, anything's better than a Feinstein or a Harris uh, political yeah. view, basically. Um Neither Dianne Feinstein nor Senator Kamala Harris, both California Democrats, returned a blue slip on Lee's nomination to the San Francisco-based court. Lee, 73, uh, 73, I apologize, 43, Lee, 43, a native of South Korea, by the way, so a minority, yeah. not being supported by other minorities who out there beat their drones for minorities' rights and and uh, you know equality and diversity and equal representation, not supporting this native of South Korea. Uh, to, 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 what else did they say in a Twitter message? Feinstein cited Lee's writings on race and civil rights as reasons for her oppositions. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, from New York, he agreed with her, saying that Lee holds, quote, shocking positions on race and women's reproductive rights. Senator Tom, Co uh, Tom Cotton of Arkansas called Lee a man of high character and a brilliant lawyer. The two of them attended law school together. Uh, Feinstein went on to say Lee's record shows that he is far outside of the legal mainstream. Basically, any time that Feinstein or Harris disagree with somebody or Schumer, they're going to call you outside the mainstream is what we're seeing here. Outside of the D.C. Beltway, maybe not of the people of the state. You know, he had some of his conservative opinions on, on uh, gay marriage rights and on abortion rights and on uh, different things that – are not exactly archaic or out of the mainstream. It just doesn't line up exactly with Feinstein and Harris. They, of course, are accusing him, a minority, of being a racist. They say that yeah. he, he's he's weak on civil rights. I'm going to call shenanigans on that one. Um, I see here that Lee's nomination marks Trump's 40th circuit uh, judge appointment since taking office. So we're at 40 circuit judges, and there have been two Supreme Court judges, and there have been dozens and dozens of other appointments that President Trump has been able to accomplish in his short time as president. It's very impressive, and he's essentially shifting that entire branch of the government to the right. Yeah, which could be a good thing in this state for all sorts of matters, such as abortion, gun rights, you know, as it moves up the line, all kinds of conservative values that are uh, opinions and positions that we hold dear in this state so the more conservatives we can pack into that court the better absolutely my you know more conservatives is best for us but also uh people that may not appreciate the conservative viewpoint those that are uneducated or on uh unaware of politics or even find themselves actively leaning towards the left it's better for them you know the conservative 
leaning judges are have always stood up for minorities' rights, yeah. regardless of the revisionist history, revi- revisionist history uh, put forward by the liberals and the left in this country. Yeah. We have always consistently been pro conser- uh, pro civil liberties, pro personal yeah. liberties, and even if you don't agree with some of the things that they stand for, just their fighting for your personal liberties should be enough to make any person who who wants to live in a free country smile. Yeah. Speaking of shifting things to the right, we have a story coming uh, in international news on uh, in Australia. Uh, Tyler, uh, what's going on in our, with our friends down under? Yeah, so in Australia, and we have some friends that live there. I know Trevor's pretty close with them that uh, are big fans of Trump. And it seems like more of the people in that country are becoming more and more fans and admire, uh, admirers of our country and our leader. As they recently re-elected their prime minister, Scott Morrison. Who wasn't supposed to win. Yeah. Uh, uh, Australia has been, a, been a, a traditionally liberal or what they call labor, you know, their left-wing party. As always, that's been the direction the country has gone traditionally in our lifetime. Yeah. So the polls, and we've seen this with the 2016 election, polls were repe- repeatedly coming in showing that Scott Morrison was down, was not going to win this. Uh, he is an evangelical Christian. He's center-right, and he leads their liberal party down there, which is obviously – What we would call the Republican Party. Yeah, different than ours. So their, their Democrat Party, if you're unaware, would, it would be called the uh, Labor Party. Yeah, I think and usually most European, European countries are Labor. Or most Commonwealth countries would call their Republican or their conservative parties, their counterparts here, they would call them liberal – sometimes even liberal Democrat parties. Yeah. You know, it's just it's an opposite of of uh, the Labor Party. Um, the Labor Party's candidate, by the way, being uh, had his name here, and yeah, I'm not able to find it at the moment. But the uh, Labor Party leader was just uh, I just saw a video yesterday with him introducing himself to Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was down yeah. in Australia for um, one of his sports competitions. That who just got there. drop kicked? Yeah, in well, the yeah, back. that's it. That's a good story to, to – There's some California history, uh, <laughs> politics right there. <laughs> yeah, former Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger drop-kicked yesterday. But I, <laughs> I just saw in, – in reading that story and looking at those videos, I just saw a uh, video of the uh, opposition leader uh, who was leading in the polls telling uh, former Governor Schwarzenegger, my name is such and such and I'm going to be the next uh, Prime Minister of Australia. Oh, like and, Hillary Clinton did in 2016? Schwarzenegger looked at him with kind of this like – Okay, Schwarzenegger was surrounded by a bunch of uh, teenage girls and teenage guys trying to get pictures with him, big fans of his movies and his uh, bodybuilding uh, history. And this guy, who leads a major party, a major party uh, coalition even in Australia, pushes his way through these kids to get his selfie with uh, the former governor and tells him out of the side of his mouth, and you can almost not hear him on the camera, but he most definitely says, my name is such and such and I'm going to be the next prime minister of australia and he looks at him like who are you again (laughs) well it turns out he wasn't this mr scott morrison had won but speaking of he had to tell schwarzenegger who he was and had to put himself there to try to get the recognition did you see elizabeth warren last week getting on that bus i did not you didn't see this video? No, somehow I missed. I, I heard that I heard that she rode the, the public bus. So she gets on this bus and they released video and you could tell it was meant to be one of I'm those. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Tyler, but Bill Shorten. Bill Shorten is the name of the Labor Party who had to introduce himself. I just want to slip that in there uh, before. Hello, we I'm Bill Shorten. Yeah, he said, My name is Bill Shorten. I'm the next Prime Minister of Australia. And he was looked at like, who? It was it was very humorous to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. So you were talking about so Elizabeth. We have Elizabeth Warren. Warren getting on this public transport. This bus in a busy city, and you could, they had cameras and everything, and her guys, you know, a little entourage thing around. You could tell it was to make an appearance, right? You know, and to campaign to stuff. get attention and stuff like that. You remember when Hillary tried to swipe the metro card at the New York yeah. subway? Yeah, she couldn't get it to work. <laughs> it's very reminiscent of that. Is yeah. what I'm hearing. And as she's on this bus, and it's somebody like surreptit- surreptitiously like, pretending to sneak to get this video. You could tell. Somebody that she planted there, or her campaign planted there, and this this bus is packed. She's standing there. There is standing is room only. Any, is she taking any notes from um, Beto and standing on a table or yeah. standing on the back of a chair? Or no, something? she's she's standing in the aisle, and nobody 
even says anything to her. There's one guy in the video you can see turning around and like, oh, this lady kind of looks familiar. Anybody ever tell you you look like Elizabeth Warren? <laughs> a mix of she looks familiar and how come every how come you have so many security guards? And she t- rides this bus essentially in silence. No, nobody no political speech. Nobody no. No stump speech. No speech. No nobody campaign. goes to talk to her. Everybody's on their phone or looking out the window, keeping oh, conversation that, amongst themselves. That didn't go well. No, it it was a major flop, and then they released the video. <laughs> and yeah, why would they? It's like she she purposely released the video of her when she was uh, calling um, people who donated several thousand dollars her yeah. in her kitchen, and she's um, calling them and then videoing it, and then her husband walks in. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna get a beer, and it was like so not human. Yeah, it was so. Automated and robotic, and then she's trying to convince her husband to get a beer. He's like, "No thanks." And she's like, "Are you sure? You sure you don't want a beer? You sure you don't want to be hip and blend in with the kids? Show them how cool you are." One of the things I noticed. Why would you release that video? Yeah, one of the things I noticed in that video, talking about out as inhuman as she is, and it seems to consistently keep happening in her campaign specifically, is in that video where it's like, I'm gonna get a beer, blah blah blah. Then when her husband shows up, she says, oh, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for being here. <laughs> Isn't that your house? And it By the way, like- nobody pointed out in that video, if you look, and it, it got very little coverage. If you look at uh, that video, when she walks away to get a beer and comes back, just above her head, a little to the left, I believe, you can see on top of her shelves in her kitchen – one of the most racist pieces of art I've ever that. seen in my life. One of those old it's, mammy cookie jars or something. Exactly. Huh? It, was, it was some sort of a cookie jar, salt, pepper shaker, some yeah. kind of ceramic kitchen accessory of a small African-American boy with exaggerated African-American features holding an enormous piece of watermelon. Yeah. And, and nobody – Why that is it didn't get news. that people noticed – we know about <laughs> it because people noticed. And yet because she has a D next to her name, it's somehow not racist. But if somebody, no matter what their history on civil rights, no matter what their history with uh, minority voters or constituents are, if a conservative or a Republican or a libertarian had that in their house, they would have been eviscerated on Twitter. Oh, absolutely. And rightfully so. I mean, you can't just have stuff like that in 2019. Exa- that stuff it comes from a culture. We don't use certain words. We don't use certain phrases. Uh, these people ban books that yeah. use uh, – you know. Uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin's been banned. Huck Finn's been banned. But yet, because she's a Democrat, she gets to run around with this historically offensive piece of ceramic. And nobody even mentions it. Yeah. It, uh, but that's always happened for that party. You had Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton giving the eulogies and speaking of how how much they loved the former Senator Robert Byrd, who was a leader in the KKK. Of the the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. And then you have Hillary standing there talking to a black church in in traditionally black uh, inflection, you know, dialect. Yeah, I ain't Uh, no ways tired (laughs) and trying to pull that off. And then you have AOC. Yeah. uh, the, the, The crazy woman who's trying to ban cow farts out there talking to the, uh, was it the Jesse Jackson dinner or the Al Sharpton dinner? Something like that. One yeah. of their events, and she's talking to, in, in African American inflection, you know, trying to blend in with these people, and they just get away with it. It's unreal. Uh, yeah, it's unreal. Now we were talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, governor of California, um, two governors ago. Yeah, uh, was in South Africa, and. Was at one of his Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, uh, events uh, with his name on it, one of his sporting events, and was at a jump rope, comp- uh, jump rope jumping contest. Yeah, watching these you know younger kids videoing one of the you know, better and athletes, and you can see in the video as soon as he hands the phone back to whoever you know gave it to him to use, this guy comes out of nowhere, completely unprovoked for no reason, and just jumps in the air and full force. Both feet right in the center of Schwarzenegger's back. Sends him sprawled into the crowd. Yeah. If you look from another angle, it looks like he stumbles forward into other people. He really barely flinched. At 71 years old, this Iron Man was less hurt by this than the guy who kicked him, who immediately got beat for, <laughs> yeah. for by security and dragged Do out. Do you see how big that security guard was that pounced on him? What that dude was huge. The the beating that he got, I saw somebody and compared it to to Thanos in the in the Avengers movies, saying, 
all that for a drop of clout. Uh, you know, you didn't hurt Thanos. You're not going to hurt Schwarzenegger. Yeah. All that for a drop of clout. Just and then you're going to get a beat down for it. And what would be the purpose behind attacking somebody like Schwarzenegger at a jump roping competition? Yeah. What are you going to get? Apparently they haven't released any kind of information on, on motive or – he was drug away saying something along the lines of, help me, I need a Lamborghini. I'm not sure what was going on with this guy's head, but <laughs> something ain't right with that boy. Something ain't right with that guy. One, you got to take him from behind. That show, <laughs> you know something's going to happen. You ain't getting out of it. Uh, like you can't face him and, and do something. And then you just drop kick him. You can't recover from a drop kick. Yeah. Like you both of your run? feet are in the air. You, higher than your head. You hit the ground. <laughs> it's not like you just disappear. They're going to get you. And then what, what kind of, what are you going to get out of it? If anything, yeah. you're buying him a new Lamborghini for this right? for yeah. the lawsuit that you just brought on yourself. And in case you're wondering, uh, former Governor Schwarzenegger is okay. He did release a statement about the video, a statement and a tweet saying that he was barely barely shook up. Um, he compared it to being jostled by the crowd, which he said in his words happens a lot. And he basically turned around to ask the crowd politely to stop jostling him, and then realized that he had just been uh, assaulted. So yeah. just a little bit of he's okay makes it more of a of a humorous story. Just a little levity in the news there. And uh, for a more serious uh, point, um, we're going to shift to some more international news, but on a more serious point, Iran. So Iran's coming up in the news a lot lately. Uh, are we going to go to war with Iran? Are we not going to go to a war with Iran? Now, there's some congressional leaders that are, are trying to get some information on what exactly is the threat from Iran. And uh, as of now, in my research, as of yet, I have not figured out what exactly the threat is outside of just it's Iran. They've been wanting to kill the, yeah, the great been, white devil of the West for Their leaders chant now. this every day, death to America. It's so, really yes, it's a, it's a threat. I'm not sure what exactly is happening specifically that makes it more of a threat now. But the president does have plans to send 120,000 more troops, boots on the ground, to the Middle East. Now, we have some varied opinions here. You know, we were, we were young kids, 10, 11, 12 years old when the Iraq war got started. We were very behind getting uh, retribution for the 9-11 attacks. We were very behind uh, the military and let's go to war. And we couldn't wait to grow up and, and enlist, which neither one of us ended up doing. Life got away from us and... I gained an enormous amount of weight and disqualified myself. <laughs> and uh, Tyler got married. Careful, careful! If you ever run for office, they'll accuse you of dro- uh, dodging it like Trump. Well, I would have gone, but I wasn't physically able to. And Tyler got married and started a life, and you know, so we didn't ever get to go, but we were always supported him, and we were always. And then we got a lot older, and we got some more libertarian leaning views, and we got we saw what happened with the wars. And do I regret the Iraq War? I don't. Do I regret the Afghanistan war? I definitely don't. In my opinion, the Afghanistan war was way more uh, justified and qualified and uh, better handled than the Iraq war. However, I'm not sad to see Saddam go. I'm, you know, he was a despot who was hurting his neighbors and his countrymen alike. Um, you know, there's the whole argument about whether or not there were WMDs and then did did they exist? Did they not exist? If they did exist, where did they go? Could they have been the WMDs that showed up in Syria years later? Who Assad has recently been using. Right. And so that in But my, my issue with the wars are I wish they were handled better. Um they should have been handled they, better. They should have yeah. been wrapped up faster. Uh I'm a huge, huge opponent of murdering civilians. I think nothing creates a terrorist more faster or more fervently than killing somebody's son, child, father, brother, something like that, you know, bombing their their houses. So civilian casualties, not a great thing, not a fan. However, if you're going to go to war for a reason, you should wrap it up quickly. And that's what I'm looking for in these these wars we got involved in. I would have loved to see them wrapped up. Dragging them on for President Bush's entire uh, term into Obama's term, who is Tyler, I think we can agree, way more war hawkish than oh, absolutely. The conservatives today. Yeah. Obama. He played the, Obama, Hillary, the John Kerry. Guy. He was not. We're all more closer to neocons than yeah. we are in their war hawkishness. They also, when you do your research, they had a penchant for helping 
start these riots, as we saw for yeah, the, the Arab Spring. Mubarak. The Arab yeah, Spring. They, Why would we take down our friend in Egypt? They like to play a lot of behind-the-scenes creating the, the problem. You know, the Hillary Clinton State Department single-handedly created the issue in Libya. There was zero reason to take down Gaddafi. We see a lot of um, criticism for President Reagan with his – or what that administration – got busted with the Iran-Contra affair, which essentially, let's break it down in simple terms. We supported some people we agreed we were allies to or supported their cause. We just gave them weapons to go and fight people we didn't like anyways. And A lot of mismanagement happened in that. And it, yeah. And know, the it, CIA got involved. Yeah. Uh, Vice President Bush got involved. And that backfired on us. But nobody is giving any kind of criticism except for some conservatives. But nobody in leadership of government is even giving Republican cr- leaders criticism. Yeah, exactly. You know, giving criticism establishment guard to people who set up what would become the Arab Springs and some of the worst wars Middle East have ever seen with Mubarak and Egypt and we uh, had Gaddafi and, and Libya Gaddafi. and then, both of them, by the way. And then Benghazi happened. It's just after another building up. They were when you talk about a powder keg in the Middle East and everybody, all these policy wonks and stuff, oh, it's a powder keg. You don't want to start anything. You're going to set off this powder keg. <laughs> you have Obama, Hillary, and people like that were packing the powder keg. Yeah, exactly. stuff to happen. You got two cases, Mubarak in Egypt and Gaddafi in Libya. And both of them would fall in the category of what I would say, um, under the category of there's a saying by the CIA. He may be – and they use more colorful language. I'm going to clean it up a little bit. He may be a jerk, but he's our jerk. Yeah. All right. So, he, yeah, he's a dictator and he rolls with an iron fist, but at least he's on our payroll. You know, well, essentially, Gaddafi and Mubarak were allies of ours. Yeah. We wouldn't want to live in that. We wouldn't want them here. But, like, in those countries, that's government they've set up. They were allies of ours. We, they were puppets almost. Essentially, that's horrible. And we just toppled them just for the sake of whatever behind the scenes yeah. motives that the Hillary State Department had. For toppling. And in those two countries, in Egypt and in Libya, Mubarak and Gaddafi were the only things keeping a group such as Al-Qaeda or ISIS. Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood. Took over Egypt. From moving in. They held elections after Mubarak. They elected a guy, the Muslim Brotherhood, immediately overthrew him themselves and took power. Yeah. And are still in power. And then ISIS, you know, ISIS was able to take over. Uh, We tried to topple Assad, who's a jerk, but he's our jerk. We tried to topple him, and we toppled Saddam, and that gave leeway to ISIS to take over Iraq, Syria, parts of Libya. It created this vacuum. So my fear with Iran is that we're going to create this vacuum. Do I want us to go to war? Absolutely not. I don't want to send one pair of boots to the ground. You want to send uh, – Tyler had an idea of – go ahead and explain your idea. I think just the shock and awe. I was discussing with somebody who was uh, used to work for sheriff's department in one of our local counties, and – for his anonymity, I won't be blowing him out of the water, you know, just for his safety, political safety. But we had come – and it's just us too, but honestly, we have the technology these days, the power, the intelligence, information from everyone uh, to know exactly where some of the worst places are at that why don't we just, you know, target the specifics, their headquarters and just flyovers, whether it's – uh, you know, large bomber planes or even the Predator drones or even larger drones. Let's just do it from remotely. We don't need to send anybody over there. We have a bunch of Moabs that have recently Or the Moabs. Ex- they've recently expired, so they're not going to be as big of a boom as they were. But It's still going to do something. That one Moab the president dropped right at the beginning of his term killed 100 ISIS guys and dropped all their tunnels on their heads. Yeah. I think Take they all these expired Moabs that we spent millions of dollars on, drop it on some of the Iranian strongholds. Now, we know where these people are at. If we just... Target their meetings, where they're gathering, where they're or supply depots. It's the boots on the ground that bother me, that scare me. Because one, we see the history of Iraq and Afghanistan, Libya, um, Egypt, um, Syria. It's never worked. It hasn't worked. Yeah, it's been all bad. Secondly, uh, places like Iran are incredibly difficult to to beat. Um, with with men on the ground, yeah. you're talking about an incredibly mountainous country, full of tunnels that you know the government. And Let's be honest; their, their they know fighters, the land better than us. They have these tunnels that they have built. That's and how the we won the independence war. 
Exactly. We knew the colonies the British were coming here and fighting people who lived in the woods, in their <laughs> woods. So you have a very mountainous region, a very mountainous country that's been very secretive and very hermit-like and closed off from the world. And they know it, you know, front and back, yeah, better than the back of their hand. And you're going to send our guys in there to, to try to sniff it out. I don't see it going well. And I see no. a lot of lo- – I see a ton of uh, civilian casualties. Not a good look for Let's us. Let's take my idea just for an example – Let's use a country that I'll call Iran. If we go to war with something like Iran, for example, we know exactly where all their or most of their ammo depots are, where they're actually creating these weapons. Target them from a distance. That's we okay. can see, and we they you know trickle out these intelligence reports that trickle out even to the news that we see. Oh, Iran's building one more bomb here. Iran did a test here. Guess what? They're telling us where everything's at. Send some GPS, you know. Or guided missiles over there, Jericho's, whatever. Boom, 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 boom. Guess what? They ain't got bing, no. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> they don't got. They do the Trump. Bing, bing, bong, bing, 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 bong, bong, and destroy everything. And then guess what? You, you can't fight us when you ain't got no missiles because we just blew them all up. We realize nobody's listening to our podcast that makes any of these decisions, and they're not going to take our opinions anyways. But these are just things that we would like to see. Were we to go to war with Iran? What we would Less like, what we would like to see is no war with Iran. Because let's face it, as big of a fan as we are of the president, for crying out loud, my name is Trumpkin Trevor on Instagram. Uh, I, I have aligned my entire political uh, identity with this man's candidacy and presidency. You all remember when we elected him because he was going to stop Hillary from starting World War Three. But now, but he he's got these people around him, and I'm going to say this. Uh, Maybe offending some of my closest conservative friends, he's he's surrounded by warhawk neocons. He's got John Bolton around him. John Bolton wants to bomb anything brown that moves. I'm sorry. I'm sure he's a patriot. I'm sure he has great uh, intentions. But John Bolton is known as somebody who his solution is let's bomb him. Let's go to war. That's why Mattis was so good. He fought, but he didn't want to go to war. Exactly. Do you remember when we elected him because he was going to prevent World War III? That's what we should be looking at. And also, he also ran on a non-interventionist, dang near similar to an isolationist, not spend your money and your son's lives on foreign wars. That was a big platform of his. I would love to see him hold to that. I'm hoping he does. Will I support the country and the president if they go to war? I'm going to say I hope we win. If we go, I hope it's done correctly in the most efficient and least damaging way possible. But my, my hope, my desire, and what I think would be politically expedient for the president in his upcoming election is to not go to war with Iran. Yeah. Do not spend our money that you've been saving through deregulations, through lower taxes. Don't go spend obscene amounts of money and American boys' lives. On foreign soil that it, that they don't want us there anyways. And we have one last topic that we want to get to. Uh, and this one's a little near and dear to our hearts. Uh, uh, it's been blowing up on social media lately. Uh, the last four or five days, any time you looked at social media or even the news, you were going to be bombarded with this topic. It's all anybody's talking about. And really, it's good. And, you know, I have friends at work uh, that have told me that their entire Twitter feed, their entire Instagram feed has been on this topic. Um, it's it got, has heated uh, issues, uh, people on both sides of the issues. Um, we're going to discuss it here. Uh, we're going to bring it up. Uh, abortion, as, uh, as most of you are aware, uh, hopefully all of you are aware, Alabama becomes, what, the eighth state? Uh, Missouri was the most recent becoming oh. the eighth state. All right, so Alabama has got the strictest laws now restricting yeah, uh, abortion they do in have the country. The strictest. Um, basically, all abortions, uh, with with no exceptions for rape or incest, have been um, permitted in Alabama under this new bill. However, it, it's likely going to be challenged in the Supreme Court. It may or may not be upheld. And some argue that that's the reason why all these states are passing it. Let's get a discussion going on Roe v. Because Wade again. what you have with Roe v. Wade, and as I was recently doing a lot of research because this is popping up and all these states are – you know, running for the goalposts, as we were talking earlier, to get it through, is with the wording for Roe v. Wade, it doesn't have an all-inclusive. It was essentially, it was limited. For, it was a narrow ruling. Yeah. and so, By the way, all passed by men. It was yeah. an all-male <laughs> Supreme Court. 
Yeah, and so these, all are male Supreme Court. So the women that are don't want the government involved in their abortion are men issues. Can't legislate women law. You all were fine with it when they gave you Roe v. Wade. Now that they're reconsidering, now all of a sudden it's misogynistic. Think about that. Yeah, so essentially the standards for Roe v. Wade or Roe v. Wade opened up abortion, making it legal, but was supposed to in a narrow ruling. Give it um there were constraints on how you could get an abortion, but it's pretty open on but it, it's obvious in the ruling when you read it that it was supposed to be narrow reasons, not for the term of the pregnancy extended, you know, third trimester up to the heart, uh, up to the moment, as a lot of the Democrats are proposing now, is women should be getting abortions up to the minute of. You got Governor um, Virginia. Oh yeah, he wanted it where seven days later you could put the baby on the table and then decide there if, if it had died in birth, resuscitate it, yeah, make it comfortable and make it comfortable and warm, and then let the and mom decide. The mother, and the doctor can have a conversation. Yeah. Is what he sound like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and thumbs up, thumbs down, what they want to do with the little baby. <laughs> and that is and nothing. And he said it in such a soft way. Yeah. In his southern charm. <laughs> Sickening. And that, that's nothing what Roe v. Wade stood for. Or Except what it ruled. And the purpose of having it reconsidered is bring it back to states' rights. Abolishing Roe exactly. v. Wade, overturning Roe v. Wade. Overturning is a better term. Yeah. Roe v. Wade. Would not outlaw, ban, abolish any of the sort abortions. It merely puts the power of abortions, pro, anti, late term, early term, all involved back in the state's hands. Which is essentially under Constitution of states' right, since it is not explicitly mentioned in the Constitution. Exactly. So you got liberals running around thinking that anything that, that the Supreme Court or the legislative branch of the federal government wants to make uh, a law falls under their purview, and that the federal government is more powerful than the state's government. That is the exact opposite of what the Constitution yeah. of the United States says. The Constitution of the United States is written in a way, and if you read it once in a while— if you yeah, if you somebody. follow Kevin Kiley's idea and actually had to take a class on it or read it even before ele- being elected or taking office, you would realize the Constitution is written in a way that unless the Constitution explicitly gives that ruling power to the federal government, it belongs to the states, period. So if abortion, the word abortion is not in the Constitution, it does not fall under the federal government's purview. It falls under the state's purview. And if you want to live in a state that has no abortion like Alabama, you live in a state and you vote in Alabama for no abortion. And if you want to live in a place that allows abortions, you move to Virginia or some other place like California that allows abortions. Yeah. It does not allow abortions. It gives the people in the states the right to live in their state the way they want to. So you have that coming up. The fact that the abortions and what people are seeking now, the abortions some states have and elected leaders are seeking, doesn't – fit within the parameters of Roe v. Wade, so therefore it's null anyways. They're, they're not following it, so how can they use that as a uh, permission when they're not doing it? But then you have later on in the uh, years after Roe v. Wade came out, the lady Jane Roe, who that was her pseudonym. Right, it was a, she was it anonymous. Up, Jane Roe came out, said not only was her story false. She was never raped. She was never raped. Didn't need that abortion, and not only that, but she re- she regretted it exactly, and spent the rest of her life uh, fighting for pro fighting for it and conservative causes, and even herself called for it to be overturned. Exactly. So you have all these reasons. It was all based on a lie. And why whether you have reasons that you believe that abortion should be allowed? You got to stop arguing with Roe v. Wade. You got to stop using that. It was based on a lie. Yes, at its foundation. It's a logical fallacy. If the first assertion is false, everything after, therefore, must be false. It's, it's hard tainted. to justify a law based on a false premise. Exactly. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with abortion. That's going to be a news story coming up on the podcast, hopefully very soon. And within the next couple of years, there'll be a decision on it. However, we'd like to take this time for our listeners to make a plea for pro-life, make a logical argument for the pro-life movement. Now, I hold, and I haven't discussed this with Tyler, but I assume he would be on the same page. And if I'm, you're not, correct me. I hold the very unpopular opinion that I am not pro-abortion, period. I am incredibly, 100%, 100% convinced and uh, swayed towards 
No abortions. Now, even the president and a lot of conservatives, I was going to bring Pat that up Robertson, as well. Pat Robertson, yeah. televangelist, Pat Robertson, and Mormon uh, Mitt Romney have said that they believe in abortion rights for exceptions, three exceptions, the, the mother's life in danger, uh, incest, and rape. Now, I don't agree with those. Period. At all. And a lot of people have called me misogynistic, and I'll never understand why. Standing up for the life of an unborn child makes me a bad guy. I don't get it. I'm defending, yeah. literally defending innocent little babies. Yeah. If you wanted to walk up and shoot a two-year-old in the face and I stood between you and, and the two-year-old and protected it, would anyone call me a monster? No. But because some people have convinced themselves, and in my opinion, just to assuage their own conscience, have convinced themselves that this fetus, this embryo, this zygote, what at any stage, is not human, is not a life until it is birthed. They want to call me a bad guy for defending that child? Well, we see some, especially leftists, pulling this dumb game all the time as giving something a different name to make you seem different. Like, oh, it's a zygote, so therefore it's not a baby. Well, well how come a one-cell organism— It's still life is growing. Why, why would a one-cell organism, one-cell bacteria on Mars, make the whole world go there's life in space? But this creature— this being in a womb with a head and a brain and a beating heart and circulation and breathing and digestion and fingernails and eyelashes and fingers and toes not be considered life until it's born. We were having this discussion the other day and I used – I said essentially I do not agree in the murder of a baby. And Period. The ever. Person Regardless of me, the cause of origin. The person said to me the fact – so it was something along the lines, the fact you use the word baby is not only disturbing, but immediately disqualifies your whole argument. This is not a baby. It is a fetus. So just because you're calling it and trying to separate yourself from it is not negating what you're actually doing to it. This is a child. If it was allowed to live, it's going to you know, be born. It's going to live a life. You cannot kill it if you and murder, give it a name to pretend that you're not doing that. If you murder a pregnant woman, you're charged with a double homicide. Yeah. How come it's a baby then if you kill it, but if the mother kills it, it's a health choice and yeah. her right. I saw just recently while we're at this, your right. You know, I have a right. You can't infringe my rights. Saying my body, my choice is a lot like saying my house, my rules. You can say that, sure. <laughs> but you don't have the right to kill people in your house. It's true. I also heard somebody say, um, I think it was Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire. He was talking about... This whole argument, it's my body, I can do what I want with it. He what had the body said, growing inside you. If it was your body, you'd be the one to die in an abortion. Exactly. But you're not. It's the baby that's dying. So now therefore, we, that's the baby's body. Now, we know and we understand there are arguments for abortion. And they make themselves sound really good. Women's rights, um, uh, feminism, um, health, rape and incest exceptions. We get that. But I would, I would posit that for every argument for abortion which are flimsy, by the way, but for every argument for abortion, there are several, if not dozens, of better, more logical, more eloquent, more thought out arguments against that argument that you had. So you throw any argument at yeah. me for pro-abortion and I can beat it down with 10 to 12 arguments for the opposite. More logical, more well thought out. There's this whole argument and even President Trump had said these three things, which I didn't agree with either when I had saw that. But this whole argument that, well, if a woman's been raped, she should not have to live with this. That something. I don't see how a baby deserves to live unless his dad was a horrible person. Exactly. So let's start with the rape one. Yeah. So that is a horrible scenario, obviously. This does happen. I'm sorry that There are some pe women who are impregnated by this. If you get a chance, look up. It's jennifercristie.org. So lady, her on the radio the other day, wonderful organization. She was brutally raped while on a work trip in a hotel. She had already had three children. Her and her husband, happily married, had three children already. He had had a vasectomy. They decided they weren't having any more children. She is brutally raped and essentially impregnated by her rapist. And she called her husband and they decided together – well, one, it never – she had said it never came to their mind to get rid of it. But they decided they were going to raise this child as their own. She tells a wonderful story that he's now four or five years old and he's just like any of their other kids. And she was telling the story she remembers when she told her oldest daughter who I think was 16 or something at the time what had happened to her. And she says to her daughter, I don't want you to treat him any differently because of how we got him. And her daughter said – with tears in her eyes, how could I? He's just my brother. 
you know, a lot of people say, and someone said to me at work the other day, because I work in a place where things like this come up. And someone said to me at work the other day and said, um, how can you live with yourself forcing raped women to live every day the nine months of their pregnancy and then uh, subsequently with, with looking at the child in its face? And how can you uh, be okay with the women that have been raped killing themselves over it? And I, my answer to him was, was three parts. One, I'm sorry that she was raped. I'm not pro-rape. I'm not pro-rapist. Absolutely for their not. Rights. However, these places that are, uh, you know, the rapes are occurring. Rape in this country used to be a capital offense. Yeah. You'd be you'd be hung up, firing squad, electric chair. You'd be executed for it. When they took away the death penalty, they essentially took away a large deterrent for rapists. Yeah. I would support... Or stronger penalties. In, in the strongest terms, I would support anyone who commits rape to be executed on site. No trial. I, you don't get... I, I feel that it strongly. I feel that strongly about it. Anyone who rapes and forces themselves on a woman or a man of it in any way should be immediately, in the harshest ways possible, punished for it. I bring back the capital punishment. Bring back the, uh, the deterrent for the rape. In That's this, first of all. In this second, guy, yeah. My second answer was... Less than 2% of all abortions in, in America are attributed to rape or incest. And some of those are lies because they're being yeah. told in a place that they need that answer to get yeah. the abortion. So we're talking about less than 1% uh, conservatively, a conservative estimate, of the over a half a million abortions that happen every year in America are actually rape or incest. Yeah. My third part of that answer was, I'm sorry you were raped. Yes, I know it must be hard to live with. Uh, really, two parts in this one even. There are millions of women, if you believe in rape culture, they're running around calling a rape culture. If you believe that, then these millions of women are running around America that have been raped who have not killed themselves. So that's a stupid argument. Don't come tell me yeah. the woman who's been raped and pregnant is going to kill herself because there are millions of women who haven't. And I'm sure there are that have, you know, are some women who have killed themselves over things, but there are people that kill themselves every day. There's no correlation there. But even if she is sickened by having to carry this child, even if she doesn't want to look at him in the face, even if, when, when he's born, even though she, you know, it's not fair what happened to her, it's horrible, it's atrocious, does not excuse murdering a baby. Yeah. It's still a human life. And I get so passionate about it. Yeah, I'm not a mother. Yeah, I don't have a womb. I don't even have kids as a father. But I look at this that innocent life. This baby who is inside you, this fetus, if you want to call it that, if that makes you feel better, is inside of you. He depends on you for everything completely defenseless. Mommy, mommy, save me. If he could talk is what he would say. He depends on you for warmth, to take care of yourself, to nourish him properly, to not fall off anything and, you know, hit your belly. He depends on you for everything. And just because of his origin, you're going to murder him? Yeah. How just his dare dad, you? Just because his father was a bad person, and then you got the same arguments for it. Well, what if they're born into a drug parent, a drug household? You know, druggy parents. What if they're born into low income and they're not going to be raised very well? They're going to be raised in poverty. What if he's a child of incest? All the same answers. You you go to a, a, an orphanage with kids with disabilities, with drug addict parents, with low income parents who couldn't afford them, and you tell them in their face. Yeah. You are unwanted. You don't deserve to be here. You should have been killed. I would have executed you to keep you from living in this condition. You go down there and tell them that, then I'll have a discussion with you about whether or not we should execute them after you go tell them into their face that they should have been killed. Yeah. How dare you? That whole argument of you're a man, you don't get to have an opinion is BS. I brought that up to someone who, who tried that on me. You do not have a uterus. You don't. I said, I don't need a Evil is evil no matter what your gender is. What, because I don't have a daughter? I don't get to have an opinion that Ted Bundy shouldn't kill that guy's daughter? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I can actually, have an opinion on it. I can have an opinion and say that murder is murder. But they, they don't agree that non-gun owners shouldn't yeah. <laughs> legislate gun laws. Well, how about this? Non-white people should not uh, pass laws concerning white people. Yeah. Non-gun owners should not pass laws... Uh, Concerning guns. Uh, one more point before we wrap this up here. There are a lot of religious arguments. We are we are both Christians. We are both devout Christians. We both have our worldviews and our politics even are mixed, intermingled with our beliefs. 
However, we do understand that not everybody even that listens to us or that are conservative are Christians. We even recognize that some Christians have different ideas about uh, Christianity or uh, doctrine or scripture than us. We get that. So we try to do most of our arguments, uh, most of our discussions in, a mo- in the most secular and logical way possible. Which we think if, that's the only way you're going to make a big impact. Because we were having a discussion with somebody and one of our great cousins – um, use scripture because he's, he's also Christian. We believe that. And we had a discussion. I, I just wanted to comment to him that scripture is there for the edification of the believer. Right. If you don't believe in the Bible or it's deity or I, I'm sorry, it's divinity, divinity, it's divine inspiration or anything like that. It's not, there's two reasons we don't use scripture when we make arguments ourselves. One if you don't believe the scripture, it's never going to make a difference to you. Right. It's like trying like, to prove Superman using a Superman comic book. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to convince me of uh, to become a, a Muslim because I don't believe the, the, the Quran, the divinity of the Quran. I don't think it means anything. I understand some do, but you're not – nobody's going to convince me with You can't it. convince me Superman exists as right? one of my professors in seminary Somebody cannot say. convert me to Judaism with the Talmud because I don't – you know – Hold it as my holy book. I understand it's part of our Bible. I don't hold it, you know, to follow that. So one, throwing up scripture, even to to anybody, is never going to convince them of a position. That's for us. That's when we do believe something. That's what the Bible says is edification. It builds upon our belief. It gives us more of an understanding in ourselves on why we believe A, B, or C. Secondly, there's so many different interpretations on every scripture. You cannot use one scripture to win over everybody, even if they are a fellow believer. That's why we have so many denominations. Exactly. Even if they are a fellow believer, even if they are a fellow Christian, they may not agree that the scripture means that. So there are other ways in which I propose to him, and if we can help a listener out there in this kind of a conversation, there are other ways in which to but bring with our cousin Johnny, this up. Our cousin Johnny, who used scripture on our other cousins who are pro-choice – when they don't have the same denomination as him, it, 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 there are basic truths in the Bible that you have Absolutely. to, as a believer, you have to, you have to come to grips with. And if you're talking to a believer, there are two kinds of people, two kinds of people in an abortion argument, a believer and a non-believer. If you're going to use scripture on a believer, he should, they should recognize that the, their Bible that they claim to, to follow quotes God as telling the prophet Jeremiah that he knew him before he was conceived. You know, as yeah. a believer, if you believe scripture, you should believe the whole scripture. You got to know that the soul was placed in that, that child. Even, you know, God had plans for him. And then he told David that I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, their children are, are so precious in scripture. Even if you believe scripture, you got to believe that John the Baptist in his mother's womb, Elizabeth. Yeah. When Mary came into her uh, room with... Being pregnant with Jesus. John the Baptist in Mary, Elizabeth's belly, recognizing that his cousin Jesus had come into the room, left in her belly. He was aware. If you believe scripture, you got to believe all scripture. And then if you remember, Jesus said, suffer the little children come unto me when all the children were clamoring all over him and all the disciples were trying to back them off. He said, let them come to me. And then he, he said, if any of you harm one of these little guys... It'd be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and to be thrown into the depths of the sea. That's just if you harm a, a child right. mentally, physically, emotionally. Could you imagine the punishment that's going to be awaiting you if you believe scripture? You believe you're going to face God one day. Yeah. You really want to stand before him and say that not only did I support abortion or maybe I didn't – you want to tell him that you had an abortion – or you want to say that I supported other people's right to massacre their babies yeah. before they're born? I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be there. And the other thing, uh, if you're not a believer, the other ar- uh, half of the argument is the secular side. And there are really good arguments. There are non-religious well, arguments. Well, going back to for, that, for, Noam Chomsky had, I believe, it was Noam Chomsky has a saying and, and or a topic. The philosopher talks about. To be silent when there's an oppression going on in people, you're automatically siding with the oppressor. Oh, uh, To say that I'm not pro-abortion, I'm pro-choice, then you are automatically siding with the pro-abortion there's side. There's a quote by – You uh, are pro-abortion. Uh, Weisel, the, the um, Holocaust survivor who said 
you got to pick a side because yeah. silence always benefits the oppressor. You've got to pick a side. If you I'm choose- not going to uh, st- sit back and say, I, allowed, I, I support that person's right to murder their baby. Yeah. I'm going to have an opinion. I'm going to yeah. say, I don't think you should murder your baby. To say I don't believe in murdering babies but I support someone who does is not a valid argument. You exactly. support murdering babies. And so as a Christian, you're flying in the face of Scripture. Whatever interpretation you have of anything else, of any ideas of doctrine you, you adhere to, any denomination you subscribe to, there are basic truths. And one of them being, don't hurt the babies. Yeah. One of the crazy things that the, the early uh, Israelites, the Hebrews, had to deal with was going into the Canaan land and dealing with the, the uh, heathens there, sacrificing their children yeah. to Moloch. And it was horrific punishments on, on the Canaanites for that. You don't harm the children as a believer. You've got to agree with that no matter what denomination you're in. So, and if you're secular, there is a really good point that our brother Tim brought up to me. And I've really clung to it and I've ran with. And I've used this on people. And somebody at work that I work with said, wow, I've never thought of that. And, and even changed his opinion right in front of me and said, you know what? You've changed my mind. So if, say you, let's talk about a purely logical, purely reasonable, non-religious whatsoever argument for why abortion's wrong. As a human, do you believe if I killed you, that'd be wrong? Yes. Morally or socially unacceptable for yes. me to murder you at 20-something years old is what I told this guy at work. And he said, yes. I said, so you're not a believer in any religion whatsoever. No, I'm not, he said. I said, okay, so you don't believe in a soul. Okay, I can work with that. Because as a believer, you think there's a, a soul. Yeah. Then when is it okay to you know kill that? When does the soul get put in there? Which is the argument I brought up. Right. So um, we, so we, we yeah. can go back to that. But so I said, okay, we're gonna go completely secular, no soul. So you're telling me that's just a clump of, of cells? He said yes. I said you're telling me that it's not a actual life until it breathes its first breath outside the womb. You th- tell me that's not a life? Yes. Okay. Well, does it have all nine signs of life? Yes, it does. It's got, uh, you know, off the top of my head, it's got uh, brain activity, heartbeat, circulation. Yeah. Um, Separate uh, bloodstream. So it's got all the signs of life. If it's just a clump of cells, which you believe it is, because it's got no soul, what is the difference between that clump of cells and you right now? Aren't you just a clump of cells with electric yeah. uh, impulses, you know, synapses in your brain, the same that that baby has? Just because you're out of the womb breathing on your own, does that mean that you have a soul and it doesn't? No, it doesn't because you don't believe in a soul. So if it is just a clump of cells, then you're just a clump of cells. And if you believe in the rape argument, what if I came to you at 20 years old? I told him, I said, you're 20 years old. What if I came to you right now and said, I did some digging into your mom's past. Turns out your dad is not your dad. She was savagely raped. And your actual blood father was a rapist. So your mom has spent the last 20 years hiding the secret from you, tearing her up inside, just absolutely destroying her. And every time she looked at you, she was sickened. So, to, so we're going to so take you out right now and shoot you in the head. mother. Right. Yeah. We're going to take you out and shoot you in the head because your father was a was somebody who doesn't deserve to have children. Yeah. Uh, your father deserved a horrible punishment. And your mother didn't deserve to have to look at you or raise you for 20 years. We're going to drag you out in the street and shoot you right now. You okay with that? And he said, oh, my God, you're changing my mind. Yeah. Now, now it's – you know when it's you – now it means something. <laughs> yeah. And if you're just a clump Makes of cells, you're no better, no different than that clump of cells in the womb. Yep. Which is their, the most secular argument is you're just a clump of cells. So can well, we, we agree? All are. So can you agree that murder is murder? And he said yes. And I said fine. That we can have a discussion. If you're okay with murder, we can have that. You know, you could tell me to shove off. Yeah. Because you you're okay with murdering babies. And I can't say anything about that. But be intellectually honest. There are two reasons to support abortion. You're either okay with murder or you're not. There are two reasons three. Three reasons to support abortion. One, you're a parent who doesn't want to have the responsibility. You want to have the fun of sleeping around. And by the way, as mom always says, it's twenty nineteen, there's no reason to get pregnant. There's a thousand ways. There's a shopping cart of contraceptives. We've had this discussion with her before. Yeah, if you get pregnant in 2019, you're you're dumb. You plus, don't you don't need to. But say you did. Plus, if you went to Planned Parenthood and got the free condoms, which they hand out, you don't need to go there to kill your baby. Right. Go there early. You won't need to go there later. So one of the reasons for abortion, and I just want them to be honest. Just be honest. Stop saying it's yeah. a healthcare right because no, yeah. it's not. B. 
Be honest. Then we can have a real discussion. Honestly, you'd have to admit there are three honest reasons. One, you are a parent who got pregnant when you shouldn't have, and you don't want the responsibility of raising it. You don't want your fun party days to stop, or you don't think you can afford it, blah, blah, blah. And you want to murder that baby, that inconvenience, and you are telling yourself it's not a human or it's not alive yet to assuage your conscience. That's one honest, intellectually honest and sound and intelligent argument. And if you want to say you're okay with that murder, then you're okay with that murder and I can't convince you otherwise. The other one would be you're a follower of Margaret Singer, who is – Google it, by the way, if you think I'm Incredibly making this up. Incredibly racist. You think I'm making this up. Margaret Singer is the founder and first president of Planned Parenthood pre-1900, who was a renowned and open and very vocal eugenicist against black babies. Yeah. It is racist. She – it was – I believe it was something called the Negro Project. Something along those lines. And then she was told by even people of her day, hey, maybe we shouldn't call it that. That she changed his name to Planned Parenthood. She gave speeches. You can Google them and read the text of her speeches. Talking about the Negro problem and how we need to exterminate the black population through this guise of healthcare for minority women. When I found this out, this tidbit I'm going to show you, I was surprised. I researched it. It's true. When she was running... Planned Parenthood doing all this stuff and she was doing speeches and writing books about eugenics and exterminating what she called the Negroes issues and then all that. Hitler sent emissaries over to study her methods because she was so good at at what she was doing. They came back and shared with higher ups what she was doing. They outruled – they decided not to follow her because it was so extreme. Literally. So the guys who want to exterminate the Jews – Said thought that she was overboard. Planned Parenthood was was too inhumane. Yes. Because of how effectively she was exterminating yeah. an entire population in the womb. And by the way, if you don't agree, believe all this, just Google it. You will also find Hillary Clinton and other lefties, the loony left in America, praising Margaret Sanger. Praising her work yeah. and praising Planned Parenthood. It's a racist organization. So if you're a Christian, you can't support abortion. Biblically, you can't. If you're a, a, a uh, liberal who thinks you uh, agree with uh, or who, who think that there is some kind of racist, systematic racism in America, it's only on the left. If you think that it's wrong to kill black babies, you can't support abortion. And then the, the third reason why liberals are so pro-abortion would be there is no easier way to exterminate the, the strong American – and I'm not saying white. I'm saying American of any race – who our forefathers came here and fought through, you know, black forefathers fought through slavery. Yeah. The European forefathers fought through um, religious oppression and a revolution and the Indian wars and the Spanish wars and that kind of spirit. Exterminate that of all races in America and re- bring the bring the population of America down, allowing there to be a, a vacuum, a gap, allowing the influx of other countries of any race, so these illegal immigrants they're so fond of, flood our country with them to where these people who have been raised and born and all they know is third world dictatorships are easier to control than these hard-fighting Americans of any race. If you get the people to abort their babies, you create a vacuum in the population, a population decline. You can start importing these illegals who are easier to control through dictatorship-like governments. Those are the three and only reasons, intellectually honest reasons, to be pro-abortion. That's good. So, I mean, we covered so many topics today that I think it's about time we let everybody go. Uh, I think they have everything they need. You can email us if you need more help with debating these pro-abortionists. Stuff like that. We have many secular arguments and religious arguments against abortion. But I wanted to remind everybody as we're closing here that we are going to be at the Capitol on June 16th for the Unity Rally. Looking to bring unity to the whole Republican Party because it's easier to deal with Republicans over differing issues than having to fight off the Democrats. So as we gather there, come on out. Say hi. We're going to be there. I'm going to be speaking. We're going to be doing having a great time. So we'll see you on June 16th. Come out and fight for your right. And what time is that at? It is, it's on the steps of the state capitol in Sacramento at 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. It usually runs from 12 to 2 or 3. So come on out. Come say hi. And we will fight to return the fight to the people here in the state. Thank you. And we'll speak to you next week.